show. Um, Scarlett Burke, uh, multi-hyphenate actor, writer, jingle writer, artist, and podcast creator is with us on Occupational Therapy today. And thank you for joining us. This is my host, who you know, Zach Zelwin. Is that how you say yes. your name, Zach? It is Zelwine. <laughs> uh, well, and, thanks, uh, for, thanks for having me, guys. Tell her what we're doing on this show because she's yeah. going to uh, inform young minds. Scarlett, Jared, as you may or may not know, was the king of jingles for 10 years. Oh, he was? Has, no, I, I had now, no idea. Yeah, you weren't aware of that. I'm no sure. idea. Now he's got a, <laughs> a two-year non-compete clause in his uh, contract, which means he cannot make any jingles at all. And unfortunately, it's what he loves doing. He loves working. So he needs to find a new profession. So what we're doing is we're meeting some of the most accomplished uh, people from across all industries, figuring out what they do, how they got there, hearing their stories, and seeing if maybe Jared could step into their shoes and try his profession at, you know, doing what you do, maybe like creating podcasts and singing and all the other good stuff you do. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So to be fair, Scarlett and I uh, have uh, worked together on a bunch of things, but she also has a really interesting story because uh, much like many of the entrepreneurs that have been on this podcast, she figured out what she wanted to do with her career by figuring out what she didn't want to do with her career, if that makes any sense. So um, will you tell us you know, uh, you know, know, uh, how you actually ended up in LA and why you moved there in the first place and how old you were when you first moved there? Well, I dropped out of college and lasted a semester at Scottsdale Community College. Oh, nice. That's a good piece of um, advice for the kids out there. Drop but you're not of, the only one. Drop out of school. <laughs> um, go to yeah, Start with a community of... college, a nice community college in Arizona, and then drop <laughs> out. Um, waste some money. Um, and no, I moved to California whenever I was 19 and moved right into Hollywood. I thought I wanted to be in the thick of it. So I was off like Franklin and Highland basically, <laughs> which ended up being a nightmare. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was 19 when I got here. And wow. many people that we've spoken to Zach have, you know, actually have told us, Hey, they moved to LA and it wasn't easy and it wasn't a piece of cake right off the bat. You, Scarlett and I've met many people actually who have had the opposite story. Like people like Garrett Hedlund. That's like, Oh yeah, I moved here. And then like I was cast in like a you know, huge movie. Yeah. Those, Scarlett, are the, what was, yeah. those are the rare stories that I think when you're 19, you hear and you just cling on to with everything that you have and hope that that happens for you. Um, and then you move here and quickly learn that that's not how it really works for the majority. Um, when I got here, I realized, um, you know, I was, I was performing around at like coffee shops and because I was so young, I couldn't play in bars. So, um, I'd play in coffee shops around Hollywood and then, um, a few places in the Valley and sort of started stretching my legs as a songwriter and a performer. And then I was doing some acting as well and realizing, you know, how much of a commitment that really takes and, you know, being a little ignorant about the whole process. And so I, I got into some acting classes and was really just doing both to sort of balance the other out. So... You have real uh, amazing, just like tenacity. One of my favorite stories that you've ever told me that I want you to tell our listeners was the story about 
the first time you almost thought you were going to make it in the movies and, <laughs> you know, the whole thing with your family? Because that's an important story. Those are things that, like, you've told me many stories that are, like, kind of cringeworthy, but then it's like you got stronger and it, you got smarter because right. of, tell us that one. When you're an extra, don't tell your family you're in the movie <laughs> until, if you're an extra that gets a line, don't tell your family you're in the movie until you've seen the movie and it's out. Um <laughs> I'll just start with when I first when I first got here, I was my mom was gracious and kind enough to help me um, move out here and and uh, so we were sitting at Saddle Ranch, which is like a rite of passage I think for everybody when they come to <laughs> oh LA. My God. It's like this is this is gonna be the best how not to make yeah, it. Yeah, totally. In, uh, in, um, I love keep going though. So the and the waiter was like this really cute, obviously an actor, aspiring actor, whatever bandana. Did he have a bandana on. Yes, bandana totally on. around uh-huh. his head, um, bleached, spiked hair. Um, anyway, so my mom is like, you know, why don't you ask him for some some tips? Frost, um, frosted tips. Yeah, and so he came back to the table and and he said, "Have you looked into acting classes? And do you have a reel?" And I said, "A reel, what?" He basically was like, "Good luck to you," um, <laughs> and well, I didn't mean it as a joke. I, sarcastically says, "Good luck." He to was. You. I, I truly did not know what a real was, and I wasn't saying it as a joke. And you know, I pronounced Wilshire, Wilshire, and so it's been a long road. I feel like I really started completely green, and um, but yeah. So I was. I decided to do some background. Some background acting. We don't like to say extras. Um, there's no small parts. No, there's not. I can't tell you how many times there's. I've been like a blurb in the background of a commercial or or um, like a CSI series. Um, so I went to Central Casting, stood in line for like an hour, and <laughs> filled out my paperwork. Got into um, doing some, you know background work. And the first thing I did was um, Cameron Crowe's We Bought a Zoo. And they had us going out to set every day for like a month. And it was in Malibu. But I was like, I was making like $60 a day. Oh. And I really wanted to get my SAG card though. So I kept I kept it up because, you know, it was like, if you got that, that voucher slip, it was like, it was like the golden ticket from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But, um, so anyways, I kept going and like, um, we were filming this, like this scene in the zoo and, and there was something in front of like a tiger cage and Cameron Crowe like threw a line at me just on a whim. And you know, all the extras are looking at me like, this is it. Like, this is your moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your bags. <laughs> and, you know, we had all been, like, camped out there in, like, a tent for weeks. And it was like, holy shit, this is my fucking moment. And so he gives me a line, and I'm, like, counting down the days, waiting for this movie to come out. And so it comes out, and I'm I, I'm at my dad's in Wichita, Kansas, and we get the whole family together. Like, Everybody. Um, we had a whole row of seats, and my dad's going into the theater saying to like the ticket guy, like, well, my my daughter's in this film, and he looked... <laughs> it's her movie. This is her. 
And I was so proud. And like my boyfriend at the time was with me and, um, who like, he was a doctor. He didn't, this was like a totally different world to him, but I'm like, no, 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 this is like my, this is my moment. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make more money than you, doctor. Um, so anyways, we're all sitting in a row and the moment is coming up and I'm, and we're all kind of like, oh, this is, this is it. Like, this is, this is her moment. And then the scene was done. And (laughs) my dad loudly goes, wait, I didn't see her. And so they, they cut my like one line that I had and we bought a zoo and, uh, but I did get my SAG card from, yeah. Did they have to Taft Hartley you, which is if those of you who don't know the lingo, they have to pay for you to join SAG or at least make you eligible. At that point I had, I had obtained like the three vouchers. Oh, you had already done it. Yeah. Yeah. So the good thing was like, I, that's how I got my SAG card was being an extra on we bought a zoo for like 30 days. Um, so, <laughs> by the way, that that story to me is like many people are like, well, that's it. I'm going to pack it up. You know, go. The, the humiliation is too much. I'm out. But like, I, I think that there's a, a lesson in tenacity because, you know, you stopping right there would have never, uh, you know, allowed yourself to do the things that happen next, the thing that happened next and next. And, you know, for 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 you you know, having, you know, multi-hyphenate skills, not only just like acting, and obviously you've done cool stuff with modeling as well. And, uh, you know, uh, you've played Christy Brinkley as younger self and car commercials <laughs> and had all sorts of great stuff there. But around the time that you started doing work in, in our world, you know, she really just scrappily said, hey, you know, uh, can I, you know, what do you do? What's this stuff at Jingle Punks? She came by. First demo she ever sings on ends up, you know, being a theme song to a big Netflix series called, uh, what was it, Girls Incarcerated? Yep, yep. Hmm. And then immediately after that, you know, uh, we were uh, getting a, a writing camp together for Zillow. And, you know, tell us a little bit about that one, because that was kind of like, well, I just, I, was like, I just want to go, okay. Like, want to go back before, like, approaching like the time that you and I met was just it was sort of like one of those things where I I feel so lucky and I do think that that you do like people are meant to be in your life for a reason and it's not always meant to be forever but like it was at a point in my um kind of acting career I'd done some like I was on Ray Donovan and Lethal Weapon and Animal Kingdom and I had gotten to a point where I told my manager, you know, all the roles were just imply this and intimate scenes and everything and playing the kind of one night stand fling. And I just got so tired of having to, you know, go through these like questions with myself, like, would I be okay with this implied intimacy role? And there was just so much of that. And I just got so sick of it. And so I said, you know, if there's an audition that, includes um implying anything (laughs) intimate don't don't submit me for it um so then I really didn't have any auditions because that was really what was all that was out there and so that was like about the time that you and I met and all the while I'd been playing at a bar in the valley called Red Door um and so you and I met and it was like I you know I'm in the music business and you know you hear that and it's like okay sure like, but then Jared said, oh, I, have five, I have five kids and I'm in the music business. And I was like, okay, you do something right. 
Um, I so, pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, why don't you come by um, the office? And and it was one of those things where I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to just follow this because it, it just felt right. And um, Jared was so gracious and, and, and said, you know, you have songs and you're a decent songwriter and I have a studio just come record your songs here so that was sort of like I would drive I live in Studio City and I would drive to Santa Monica like almost every day and record at Jingle Punks not really knowing why I was recording. It was during it was during a time and also Zach knows this at the company where like for me the passion of the business sort of went away um, and there wasn't many people who were putting in that kind of commitment not to say that there weren't really awesome and talented people on the roster. There are, but the people who went the extra mile, like people like you and people like Jesse S and, you know, people like Major and Pooh Bear who weren't part of the company later on defined why I wanted to still be working. So like, it was you know, sort of, when- it, it was like the beginning of a, a writing camp that Jared and, and Jesse and I built, you know, it started with me working with Jared at Jingle Punks. And so we, I did the Netflix thing and it was like wow okay there's something here and so we just sort of hit the ground running um with working together and I was always bouncing ideas and songs off Jared and so there was this opportunity to do a writing camp with Zillow and I had never heard of anything like a writing camp and I didn't really know what I was doing and I think that that was a benefit to not know what I was getting into. Um, So we did like a three-day writing camp and the it was for five spots for Zillow. I think I was the only, I don't know, I can't remember how many. you were the only female songwriter. Yeah, there were, I mean, like the other writers were great and I love like working with Gabe and um, like Jeff Peters. And so anyways, we, I'd never seen anything like it. we just were cranking out songs, but with still like with quality. And it was really interesting, like, because I had been in front of the camera on the commercial side, but I'd never been involved with like the brand and speaking with the ad agency and, you know, being a part of what they were putting together. Um, that was like a high pressure situation. We had like the client, the agency, within the agency, we built writer's right. rooms. But what was great now, and like I see this more, I realize it more now after doing, you know, more um, like pitches and whatnot for commercial spots. What was so great about that was just being one on one as songwriter to the client. Because we would start, we started the camp with like, a briefing from the client going through the spots and it sort of took out all that sort of telephone game message that gets by the time it gets to the songwriter it's like you don't really know it gets it, it kind of what gets, the hell's going on yeah so um it really was a wonderful experience and I didn't know what was going to come of it um and then th- I landed three of the five spots <laughs> so like one day of work you ended up making you know x Oh, it was the, it, I had made, years. I made more money. Um, and I, this is probably tacky of me to say, but talk about it. Let's get tacky. Yeah. Like, you're like, people so like, wait, in, wait, in one day you recorded five songs. Three of them became actual jingles for products. We would do like for in, huge broadcast each, campaigns, like multi-year campaigns. Wow. I, That's like say, when Dolly Parton wrote Jolene and I will always love you in the same day. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's the that same was a miracle thing. moment. It's the same thing. <laughs> wow. Um, 
So yeah, it um, it was but it was the biggest I thing I had though. done. Because after you know, I like a big idea people, and I like people who obviously were making our company money. So then another, you know, more things came up, and more things came up. But the big one for us, and then we'll talk about the podcast stuff, was around you know, uh, I think it was last year. We get another brief from the same agency for Taco Bell, and talk about that one because that's you know, there's some bragging rights there with all the award nominations and stuff like that. Ooh, yeah, the Webbies are on. Tuesday. Um, we'll find out Tuesday. I want trophies. So, uh, <laughs> how did that come about? Oh, well, you had reached out to me and said I have this this pitch for Taco Bell, and um, I think I specifically said, "Hey, you ever heard of a Star Is Born? It's like that, but with nachos." Some <laughs> that sounds about right. And so we went. Up, we drove up to Ohio and did like two day sessions with Jesse. And um, they wanted like a Star is Born vibe song about this product that they had for a limited time, um, their nacho cheese fries. And so the commercial was starring Darren Chris, and they wanted it really to feel like a trailer. And so we wrote two songs, and one of them was called um, Nacho Mi Amor. And That's a good one. I'm bringing that one back for Uncle Drink, but total uh, total aside, keep going. It was perfect. Um, and then um, obviously they went with uh, what's it called? What, what the one that they went? With? Love, love of my life. life. Which Jared <laughs> Jared recorded the original vocal on that and sounded like Neil Diamond. But um, <laughs> so what we did whenever that was my last schmaltz. We were we put that song to the trailer of make it up as we go and muted the trailer dialogue and it like oh star is born not make it up as we go what did i say oh my gosh podcast on the brain <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that one next um but star is born yeah and it just fit the trailer like so well and so we felt good about it and then yeah that was the one they went with and it took off and um, congratulations on that I, I will say that i saw that commercial and i was like god that is the best commercial i've seen in a long time i loved it i had no idea jared was involved in it and i think i reached out like dude have you seen this nacho cheese com- fries commercial it's fucking amazing and jared was like oh yeah i wrote that with scarlet and i was like what <laughs> that was actually one of the after all the years of like bragging and saying oh i'm the king of jingles i actually had never it's fitting that that happened in the last year of my jingledom because I really had nothing where when people at a cocktail party go, oh, yeah, you're the king of jingles. What have you written? And, like, <laughs> that's the one that I could point to towards the end. It took 10 years to get to <laughs> so now you know, recognizable. Now you know when you run into John Stamos again, now you <laughs> will he, be able when to. When he shames me. <laughs> when, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> when he puts you on the spot, now you but can sing you that. you did that in, like, one and a half years. You basically caught up to most of our team's accolades in about a year and a half, you 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 know created an award winning collection of production me it music. To me, it didn't feel any different than you know writing songs you know in my apartment that were just for me. Like it was, it, it didn't it didn't feel any different than that because I think what works with clients and what works with when you obtain a brief is that you know, you don't just write to the picture or you don't just write for the client. You put a little, I think we put more into it than that. And that's what has made our writing camp with like you and Jesse, um, 
you know, so successful and, and unique and not to brag about it, but I mean, I'm really, I'm proud of the, the work that we've done that has led to our writing camp with the three of us. Um, because I think we really focus on the quality and not just throwing out a bunch of songs and seeing what sticks. And I think, you know, clients appreciate that too. So around that time, so just to also transition us, because it's a perfect, so you knew that you didn't want to be an actor who was going to be told what to do. You knew that you could write music. And then I was like, hey, you should go to Nashville and try writing there. So the whole theme of you knew what you didn't want to do. Tell us what happens really next, because this is probably the most exciting yeah. part of the story. <laughs> and and really the reason why I think people will learn a lot from, you know, a career path of knowing what you don't want to do. Yeah, I think um, you and I had been working together for, this is now like two years, and I was going out to Nashville and, and doing writing camps there, um, or writing sessions. It wasn't really, it wasn't a camp, but um, after traveling back and forth and and sort of realizing, you know, what it would take to get those songs out, it just seemed like... I got to this point where I thought, you know, I just don't, I don't want to tour. Um, at this, it, it just, um, it was embarrassing to say it though, because, you know, you had been so supportive and, and, um, everyone had, and I just sort of felt like I was going to let a lot of people down. If I said, I don't want to be an artist, I just want to write songs and avoid traveling. Um, and so finally I, it, you said, why don't we record these songs that you've been writing in Nashville? Because I'd come home with like a suitcase of like five songs, two of them, three of them, okay, like one of them really good. <laughs> and so it was like, let's just record these. And and you said that, and I, I didn't understand why you wanted to do that. Um, and you were like, let's just record them, let's record them. And then I finally said, I don't want to tour, I don't want to be an artist, I don't see the point in recording these songs, like what are we doing with them? And you said, well, let's just record it and we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. And so we set up a, a live session at um, The Village and we did a eight hour. And by the way, for anyone listening, that's an iconic studio where Fleetwood Mac recorded uh, everyone from Dr. Dre to Usher to Counting Crows to Robert Plant. It's uh, so it was a, I, you know, we were like, hey, if we're going to do it, let's let's do it right. <laughs> yeah. And it was cool doing like the live recording. Um, and that's something that's always been a fear of mine. Recording songs that I've done is you hear some things come back and it's like way overproduced. And, it you know, you know, it's not going to sound like that live. And so I kind of always had this, I had this bad taste in my mouth about recording the songs I'd been writing. Um, but the way that, you know, Jared put together the session, it was really just a really unique experience and it brought a lot of magic, I think, to um, the album and we just set up and did a live session at uh, at Village Studios and I'd never done anything like that and it was a day that was like really intense and I was terrified and... 
any pictures from that day. It was like, like Sun Record style. I was like, you have eight hours. Yeah. I was like, you go if we go an hour over, that's costing a lot of money. So she was conducting, essentially giving us the, the songs for the first time to the drummer, the pedal steel player, Jesse, myself on bass. And then we would try and just get the bones of a really awesome room so that later she could go back and do her vocals on top of you know, everything else. But it was, it was high it pressure was, even for me. Like. It was so stressful. And I cannot – I've gotten a lot better with, like, the production music stuff, like, especially from the album with Five Alarm. But at that point, I was not confident playing to a click. And that was so important for you guys. So our drummer, Quinn, he would – he became sort of the the – click and driving the the songs and so I, it was terrifying but it turned out great and uh, I'm so proud of it and I wouldn't do it any other way I think it's you know you see like some artists and they it's a year in the studio of getting all these sounds and layers and layers of tracks and I just love the way that we just we did it in one day did it live and it sounds Pretty damn good. Sounds pretty amazing. I, I listened to those records, you know, and so since that, those became the bedrock of, you know, just to fast forward because we got about 15 minutes left with, with Scarlet here, but I'm going to just fast forward you to the next part, which is she's like, I don't want to tour. We have these amazing songs and, you know, all of a sudden we have an opportunity to take, you know, these things and turn them into a story, you know, explain how that happened because everything that happens next is sort of a dream scenario, I guess, for any writer, right? I think show creator. Producer. I think everything said so far in this podcast episode <laughs> is that it was like it's your biopic. Oh, I mean, it was just a lot of like I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna stay in LA. I'm gonna see you know see what sticks, but what makes me feel fulfilled and. Um, this had become something that really made me feel more fulfilled than any other um, career I had attempted here in LA. And um, so, but with all these songs and, and now we're, they're recorded and it's, what do we do now? And so um, Jared and I came up with the idea of turning it into a scripted drama series podcast. Um and so each song is an episode, and, and you hear the unfolding of the song. And um, it's based around a songwriter's work tapes, which is our voice memos on our phone. And um, so you you get to hear, like, the perspective of the songwriter. Um, and, you like, the song itself becomes a character, and you learn how it travels from a writing session uh, with an unknown songwriter. Uh, that's really awesome. I didn't know that either. And I was lucky enough to so, be a part of this podcast. It's playing a pretty neat journey. And uh, I do. I'm in the show. It's awesome. I'm playing Elliot. But my question is, um, so you that, wrote these songs beforehand, and then you Elliot. sort of wrote the script around the songs, <laughs> which is very interesting. Because when we were reading it, I wasn't sure if you had had the songs before or if you had written them based on what the script had said. Yes. Um, the songs that I had written, there were six songs written, um, and then uh, with absolutely no idea what they would be used for. And um, one of the songs that I had written was a song called Make It Up As We Go, and I was in Nashville, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I mean, I had just 
stepped away from acting. Here I am working, freelancing with Jingle Punks, going back and forth, songwriting and not really knowing how this is going to be a career. And so I walked into this session and they put us in this room that was like the size of a closet with a utility pole in the middle of it. And so I'm basically, I'm sitting on the floor and it was just like, all I could tell myself is we're just going to make it up as we go. And it was, it's sort of been my self-soothing mantra as far as I've been in LA. Um, And so we wrote a song called Make It Up As We Go, and that is now the title of our podcast. Um, And yeah, the song. so those six songs came first. Um, And then we wrote two songs with Miss Nicole Gallion, who is a mega hit songwriter in Nashville. Um, And she she had just won, before our session, she had just won, uh, what was it, like, Song of the Year, ACM. ACM Songwriter. ACM Song of the Year. For... Tequila. ACM Song of the Year <laughs> Award. And I told, I text Jared and was like, she's going to cancel on our session. Like, this is. <laughs> I was at the award show and I see her on stage. And I'm only <laughs> vaguely familiar with Nicole's name. Then they're like, first award. Nicole, I was like, Scarlett texts me. She's like, that's, she's canceling. We're flying to Nashville tomorrow and that's definitely a cancel. And she showed up. I mean, she, she, she showed, she, showed, she up. showed up and she was very, you know, professional and, and, um, and I think that's what this whole thing is about, is that Woody, you just Woody have Allen. to show up. Wasn't it Woody Allen? Because you don't know what that could up. lead to. And and that's sort of, <laughs> I think... No, it wasn't Woody. It was He's canceled anyway, so you can take... He's canceled. Oh, you can take it, that Woody one. damn it, Woody Allen. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Someone else. Yeah, we don't know. Yes, I don't Woody know Allen who was that the star person of Home we'll Improvement. <laughs> He's the home improvement. Is that uh, the honestly, guy from Home the, Improvement? The amount. <laughs> okay. Tim, Tim Woody Allen. He did play Woody in Toy Story, but that's a whole other thing. Um, hold on. But there was a whole lot of firsts that were intimidating even to me. Like, I've been around the block for, you know, in multiple careers. And the amount of firsts that we also did together as partners on this project, pitching, walking onto the Sony lot and her and I pitching David Hudgens, I got to say, like, Everything like the making of this thing has been like its own story because I was nervous and then Scott's like shit I'm stuck in traffic so I'm like I better tap dance for ten <laughs> minutes and warm up the room while while she's coming but ultimately our sort of sort of quirkiness or maybe unpro- not unprofessional but um like just realness <laughs> to us won the room over and David basically was like I like the songs you guys are strange let's rock like and that's and he's one of the biggest showrunners and she's like Amazing. oh jared is that typical when you just like have a bunch of songs and you pitch sony i was like to be honest i've never done this in my life so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and like we walked off the sony lot and he's like let me walk you to your car too it wasn't the brush off meeting and i've believe me i've had the brush off meeting where they're like you can't come in the building let's meet at starbucks <laughs> next door that's like what wme and caa used to do when i first started they're like i'll meet you someplace offsite, so i don't have to be seen with you but I mean, you had that first, you know, you had going to Atlanta and meeting with the president of the podcast network and us having to explain the marketing plan. Like along the way, we've sort of, you know, me too, like become like producers, right. you know, it wasn't it's just. It's learning about all the aspects yeah. that go behind. I mean, I, from every, we've really rolled up our sleeves on this project. I'm so proud of it. And no matter what happens with it, I, I'm very, very happy with, um, the production and the work that we've put into it. And it hasn't also, it hasn't really felt like work. Um, 
it's it's we've been so passionate about it and I think that's what comes across in the room um when we've pitched and um and I think it's made other people you know excited about the storyline and you know it's about a girl that you know moves to Nashville doesn't have a dime to her name (laughs) and can't put gas in her car and takes off from there we won't give away the ending but um, so who else is in it? Tell tell people at least who else is part of this thing. Just well, a, this week, so um, we have Mr. Billy Bob Thornton playing the role of Van Tyler, who's a writer producer in Miranda's camp, which is very true to the reality of you know people like artists like Miranda, as they have their camps around them. It's it's like a close confidant, you know, because you you've got to be. It's a vulnerable place when you're songwriting. Um, so there's Billy Bob, and then there's Dennis Quaid playing uh, the role of my character's dad. And then we have Mr. Craig Robinson, and he is playing my vocal coach. Um, and we've been doing all of the VO work through Zoom. And uh, it's been really working out. Like We're incredibly fortunate that we've been able to continue on during you know a global pandemic. Um, getting everyone's lines and dialogue and um yeah and then and of course uh miss miranda lambert and and i know that it's been a terrible time for a lot of people who are listening to this and i think in the future you know any person who's listening to this to to learn lessons is like the adaptability of everybody involved in our project from from you and i just saying okay COVID's here but we're not shutting down production to even Dennis being an awesome, adaptable person who's like, hey, I can't get Billy Bob to get on the set, but he lives near me and I'm going to drop off one of these microphones at his house and then Scarlett, you're going to direct on Zoom. Like the whole thing has been, to me, the making of it has been just as exciting as Uh, you you said, like it's not out yet, but I feel more proud (laughs) and excited about what's happened around this thing than anything I've ever been involved in. I've been involved in quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was a little intimidating um, working with Billy Bob, but he was so laid back and relaxed, and you know, a pro. And it was, but when I wanted him to redo a line, <laughs> I like like two years ago, I was a KFC crunch dancer in a KFC commercial, and so I didn't really want. I didn't feel completely confident in directing Billy Bob Thornton. Um, so, but he, you know, he was, he Making was great and, and we're just, we're just going, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm trying not to say that phrase, but that's the truth. So, well, this is honestly, this is the story that I was hoping you would tell. And it's, this is the, just the, the, anyone who's entering into the workforce now, whether you're a student who's just graduating from school or someone who's moving to LA they're going to have their share of telling their family that they're in the movie when they're on the cutting room floor. They're going to have their share of, you know, being sort of uh, negged when they show up in Nashville writing in a room and being treated like a second-class citizen. But I think that the biggest... And I'm about to say something that's going to make all of us look so smart, so get ready. When you and I talked about the podcast the first time, I said Hollywood loves doers. You know, Billy Bob Thornton was a character actor in like bad sitcoms until he wrote, directed, produced, and starred in Sling Blade. And we talked about that before Billy Bob Thornton was even a 
a possibility of being involved in any of these things. So such a full circle moment. And I know for a fact that's why he likes this medium and he liked working with you because many people in this town talk a lot of trash about what they're going to do or producing or I'm making this, I'm making that. Literally how we've done this has shocked a lot of people, especially people who have said, that just doesn't sound like a real thing. And when it's all said and done with the people we've gotten attached to the soundtrack the actors that are in it, the writers that are attached to it, and just the commitment to make it sound something completely unique. I would just, you know, even though I'm part of this with you, I would say you've done, you know, the work that I think is going to set you up for the next decade of your career because this town likes <laughs> doers. And, you know, when Disney has to do the next Nashville-inspired animation Pixar thing, when can be, we expect us to uh, actually <laughs> see the podcast get released? Oh, thanks for saying that. I, You know, it's it takes... Um, Jared, I think that's been Scarlet. July, July fourth. Hopefully, I think we're we're gonna know more next week. But the the thing is uh, <laughs> mostly complete. Now we're just going through the marketing strategy of all of it. So we're working with iHeart. I would say it's a summer Make release. Go is coming soon. It's a summer release coming soon at a time when there's no content coming out. We have new music and a new you know audio experience for people with make it up as we go and is scarlet is there any additional things that you would say to um one piece of advice that's gotten you through your career but besides just showing up what, oh, what else you know is there to know i think you have to just you have to do what makes you feel fulfilled in life or else your passion's not going to be in it and other people aren't going to you know i i, I they're not going to want to be as involved as much. But when Jared asked me to do this, I was like, but you know what? I, I kind of, I don't really know why you're asking me because I, I still feel like this has happened so quickly, but in such a long period of time, I mean, I've been in LA for over a decade, but, um, my advice is to just do what makes you feel fulfilled. Well, I think, and success will follow. I mean, I think you're, I think you're doing so it so much for doing I think, this with uh, Zach. Any thoughts? Obviously, on this was I an could, easy uh, one to say. Follow in the footsteps. You know, you're involved in the project as much as she is, and it's pretty awesome to hear. It's good. To, I never knew the origin stories of all this stuff. You know, I just sort of have heard the songs, and Brett was in the script or in the in the actual recording. So it's nice to hear that, and I hope people listening, because I got a lot of the similar stories as you, Scarlett. A lot of cutting room floor moments. You know, you got you got to stay strong here, man. You know. Yeah, <laughs> or like a. I was one of my first like actual like I was an extra on like CSI something and they had me like drive out to nice. again in Malibu and they were like okay we need you to like just lay in this dirt <laughs> you're gonna be a dead body and I was like <laughs> yes because I thought my what's it I pay? called my parents and I was like you're gonna see me on TV. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dead body and all you saw was my hand but my mom she was like oh my god i see your hand oh my god and she was so supportive and god bless my parents i mean they have been my family's been incredibly supportive um and enthusiastic about anything from being a dead body on a crime <laughs> show <laughs> to um to you know deciding to venture out into the world of songwriting so <laughs> Yeah. Well, from crunch dancer to podcast entrepreneur, that's Scarlett Burke. Thank you again <laughs> so much for for being part of this. This is, and um, we're. I'm really looking forward to creating uh, more with you and 
uh, yeah, occupational therapy. There you uh, go. It's an honor to be here, guys. It's like All nice right. to see you in a different setting from <laughs> Make It Up As We Go. But yeah. Bye, guys. Good All to right. see y'all. Thanks for having me. Everyone stay in touch. So long in 2-2. Bye. Bye. Bye.